Welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this very basement, which is full of rusty old pitchforks for some reason pointing up, a zombie giving a piggyback ride to an alien, a bowl Cute. of peeled grapes that your mom told you were eyeballs, and a pair of baby oh, no. shoes never worn. I'm Mikey McCaller. I'm Roxy Polk. Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest thing that happened to us this week. Listen, we both live full lives outside of the scary basement that, again, once a week we are drawn into supernaturally. What happened in your regular life that reminded you of the endless terrors upon which are visited upon us every week? Well, this is this is quite spooky. So I work downstairs. Uh, my roommate lives upstairs. Downstairs. Yes, and in between those two things is the front door, which is like I don't know, ten feet away from my desk. I am someone who obsessively makes sure doors are locked, even the garage mm. door to be locked in case somebody had a clicker to open up the garage door. <laughs> if, they stole, because... if they stole your button presser and made your garage door go up. The, well, cool. there's like a lot of universal ones that could just work anywhere. I, I listen to too much true crime, basically, so it freaks me out oh, about no. I'm not scared of ghosts and demons. I'm scared of home invasion. And my roommate left the door unlocked. And I don't know how long it was unlocked, but it made me think about how just any old serial killer could walk in. And that scared me. Yeah. Have you been hearing those rustling noises in your walls? Because I've been hearing them through your microphone, and I don't know if you have. You know, I've been wondering about that. And uh, somebody said they were rats, but I think they're too big to be rats. Yeah, and that big picture you have behind you the eyes used to be empty hollows that i assumed would looked into the wall and as i look at it right now there are two eyes looking and moving all around the room oh my god okay i gotta get rid of that portrait and they know went away I right when you turned here. around god damn it you turned around and then they went like down okay <laughs> well now that you've turned back around towards your mic they popped back up again maybe it's some really crafty raccoons i'm just gonna hope it's raccoons well anyway that was my scary thing what happened to you this week mikey well, I am a werewolf now. Really? Okay. That sounds like a big life change. Yeah, I got bit by a werewolf and I'm a werewolf now. <laughs> uh, does that mean you're going to join everybody down here in the spooky basement then? Because now you are a monster? Creature? No, because it's only once a month. Okay. And so then it, it's just like, <laughs> it becomes uh, not dissimilar to like uh, meal prepping, where it's just like every, once a, every month you've got this like really annoying giant chore you just got to take care of. Okay. And so I'm just going to- like chain uh, yourself to the wall or something, right? I'm going to chain myself to the wall. I'm going to fill my room with live chickens. I'm going to wake up covered in blood and feathers. It's annoying, but you got to get it done because you're an adult who got bitten by a werewolf and is a werewolf now. I mean, at least you're like taking steps to deal with it. So that's pretty, that's pretty admirable. <laughs> that's pretty adult. I'd say you're taking care of things like an adult <laughs> werewolf. <laughs> an adult werewolf should. Mikey and Roxy, last week I bade you view Jonathan Demme's 1991 Academy Award winning film The Silence of the Lambs. Did you watch it? Yes, I did. Yeah, did I, you, did. I did, Demon Bot. I watched it. Good. Good. Then you may keep your souls. Whew. Okay. Roxy, we did it. We made it out alive. Okay. For now. Every ah! time. Every time, ah! Mikey. You'd think we'd stop. I forgot. But... <laughs> I forgot that he, he says it every time. <laughs> Roxy, we watched Silence of the Lambs this week. Oh, boy, uh, did this we? This movie came out in 1991. Kind of became a pop culture phenomenon. Like, saying, like, hello, Clarice was the go-to little uh, silly jokey boy move of the early 90s. 
Yeah. I mean, I barely remember it, but yeah, I I do it, vaguely remember it, which says something. <laughs> it feels like the kind of joke that like a dad would make. Does that make sense? Where like like you'd come over to your friend's house and their dad would be there and he'd be like, "Hello, Clarice." And you'd be like, "All right. Hey, Mr. Doring, uh we're going to go downstairs and play Blast Corpse." <laughs> cool serial killer impression like Mr. Dory or whatever his yeah. name was. I feel really <laughs> safe here in your home. <laughs> also, I'm like uh, l- 10 and probably shouldn't have watched it anyway, so I don't get your reference. <laughs> this is a big movie, I feel like, for watching it when you're too young to watch it. I don't yes. know that I was necessarily too young, but I was like in middle school slash junior high. Yeah. Uh, those are the same things. Why did I say slash? Those are the exact same times of your life. Uh, I was in about middle school and, like, got super into Hannibal Lecter. Really? For a minute. Yeah. I remember in, like, ninth grade, I gave a book report on the book Hannibal. Wait, so you read the books then? Yeah. I don't remember them. Oh, well, I mean, still, the fact that you even read them at all. I I remember some of the big differences. Okay. But in my ninth grade English class, I remember we... We started each class with like 10 minutes of silent reading time and you okay. had to read a book. And then once you finished a book, you would go give like a book report. Like you just basically talk to the class real quick about your book and they would ask you if they had any questions or anything. And so I read Hannibal and I remember talking about the differences between the Hannibal book and the Hannibal movie to this girl who was like really goth and like really like scary. <laughs> and I remember her being like super interested in me for the first time ever. And I was just like, I don't need her pressure. She would devour me if she desired. <laughs> and uh but yeah, I told her I was like, yeah, the movie, the the dogs bite off the dude's genitals, but in the book, uh the pigs do or something. Like whatever the <laughs> Hannibal's really gross. Hannibal is a lot. Oh, man, I have, I need to rewatch that. I tried to rewatch that movie right after I watched Silence of the Lambs and could not find it. So I might have mm. to actually rent it. I, I did the thing where you check VPNs in different countries to be like, is it on Netflix Canada? Is it Netflix UK? Is it Netflix Australia? Roxy, and it was nowhere. You traveled the globe looking for <laughs> Hannibal. <laughs> uh, how old were you when you first saw Silence of the Lambs or I got into like- the whole Hannibal Lecter mystique? Well, I don't think I got into it, but I did see the movie when I was way too young to understand a lot of things going on in it. So it was very interesting rewatching. How old are we it. talking? Like three? No, I mean like that. That's about how old I was like when it came out. So I definitely my parents mm. waited until I was like in middle school or something to watch it. Probably like seventh <laughs> you, grade. You weren't there on opening night for Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> you know, just a little toddler. <laughs> oh yeah, she can get in here. It's fine. He's allowed to see it. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't think it made as much of an impression on me, but, like, it did – I was surprised at how much I remembered from it. Um, It wasn't really mm. something that, like, I took with me and wanted me to, like, deep dive more into it, but I think it's definitely something that shaped my interest in, like, horror movies and true crime stuff, hmm. TV, crime procedurals, and things like that, and just, like, uh, detective stories, stuff like that as well. It's interesting you say this is something that I was surprised by how much I remembered because I feel like I have the exact opposite and that I watch this movie every couple of years and each time I'm like surprised Mm. by it. Like I forget about like, oh, right, we got this whole long extended sequence where Hannibal breaks out, which is part of the movie. Maybe we should talk about the plot. (laughs) Yeah, how about let's let's do that. Let's do that. All right. Here's the (laughs) here's the plot recap of silence of the lambs 
We open on Clarice Starling running through the woods. Is she a regular girl out for a jog? No, no, because she climbed a rope out in the woods. She must be entering into some sort of authoritarian militia. Uh, can we talk about the fact that she's wearing a turtleneck while she runs? I could not stop staring at it and wondering why she did that. Why? It did feel like she was wearing a lot of layers. A turtleneck! Like she's got a turtleneck under a sweater! Well, okay, so this is also early 90s. I feel like this is peak turtleneck time. I guess that's true. It was a stylish thing in the 90s. I feel like Jerry Seinfeld was wearing a turtleneck here. I mean, we all yeah. seen that picture of The Rock from when he was younger in a turtleneck and like a gold chain and a fanny pack. Uh, yeah, but they're not working out at the FBI training center. That's very true. <laughs> in all fairness. Listen, that's a, that's a great point. <laughs> uh, we soon learn that Clarice's militia of choice is the FBI when she is summoned by Jack Crawford, the head of the Behavioral Sciences Division, to talk about imprisoned serial killer Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Dr. Lecter's proclivity for eating his victims has earned him the nickname Hannibal the Cannibal. And Jack wants Clarice to go to the Baltimore Hospital for the Criminally Insane and conduct an interview. So one interesting thing that I found about this movie is definitely something that didn't register to me as a kid. But like the way the cinematography frames people's faces like dead on, especially like when Clarice is talking to them. To, like, make you feel kind of uncomfortable, to make you feel kind of intimidated, to really, like, sort of get you into Clarice's mindset of being, like, this small, very capable, but, like, polite and kind of having to play the political landscape of being a woman in the early 90s in a male-dominated industry. Every dude is just fucking luring at her or not taking her seriously. And uh, I thought it was very interesting how they frame that. Yeah, you read the the straight-on close-ups. Like, we get a lot of them. Like, we meet Jack Crawford, and he is filmed. Yeah. Like, he is millimeters away. Not millimeters. That's a lot. He's very close to the camera and just speaking straight on. Like, no hints of profile yeah. to him. He is dead on. And small spoiler, he's one of the few dudes in this movie who, who is not a creep, at least. But right. he is supposed to be, like, intimidating. He's this boss that she wants to work for in beha- behavioral sciences after she graduates. Um, And he's asking her to do... Something which is kind of crazy for a trainee, like someone who hasn't even graduated to do. Right. So she would be intimidated either way, you know, uh, which mm-hmm. I thought that was a very cool way to subtly show that. And it's the same thing when See, she goes into the uh, office to talk to Chilton for the first time. Yeah. No, I was noticing that. I was. I kept writing down, like, all of these characters are such in, in such uncomfortable close-ups. Yes. And, it, and to me, it felt like it was building up to the reveal of Hannibal Lecter. Because when we meet him, uh, which is the next scene, Clarice meets Lecter, and she goes into the, like, the clear dungeon of this mental institution. Cobblestones and shit. Yeah, it is not subtle about what kind of place this is. She goes in, and all of the other killers, who are pretty intimidating, are behind regular jail bars. And when she gets to Hannibal Lecter, there's, like, a plastic, which Mm. is, like, even then sets him apart. The lighting as well. not... Yes, he's well lit. Yeah. He's in this, like, beautiful area with all of his drawings. But he's just, like, standing there calmly. It's one of the most Anticipating her. Like, he knew she was going to be there. Yeah. 100%. He's looking at her. He's got his hands, like, gently behind his back. And she just walks up and he's just, like, looking. It's horrifying. And the fact that he's also standing and they gave her a chair to sit in 
in front of him, so she'll be, like, you know, seated below him, is, like, yes. a very clear way to kind of show the power dynamics going on there. So when we first meet Hannibal Lecter, that to me is when those extreme close-ups and dead-ons yeah. were paid off, because they were like, listen, you were intimidated by Jack Crawford or Barney, the guy who works the door at the state facility. Wait till you see Hannibal Lecter, because he gets a close-up, he gets that same kind of dead-on close-up, and then he leans forward, and his whole fucking face is the screen. Yeah. It's like, I was just like, oh, this is much closer, and- too close. <laughs> I am way too close to this. And that, to me, kind of framed all the close-ups as confrontation. This is Clarice looking yeah. dead on into the world for the first time. And what she's seeing is a lot of disgusting men. She's seeing Jack Crawford, whose intentions at this point she does not understand. And she's seeing yeah. Hannibal Lecter, who is like, I am about to uh, push into you in a way that nobody ever has. Also, like, before this, we kind of breezed over it. Like, Chilton is such an infuriating character. His first intro is, like, being smarmy and, like, hitting on her to be like, oh, I've never met an FBI agent that's so attractive before. Right. And she's just, like, has to say some sort of polite thing to not antagonize him because this is... She's a trainee. This is her first, like, big gig, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, so she has to, like, put up with it. And, like, how infuriating that made me, like, for her. <laughs> and just how well they showed, like, kind of the realities of how bullshit having to deal yeah. with that sort of situation is is very good. They pull the counter of that in that, like, when Clarice does finally get down there and she says, Dr. Chilton, I actually am going to go in alone. He's like, oh, you could have told me before. It's like, she yeah, destroys Yeah, so him. petty and shitty. Yeah. But, like, I <laughs> I think it was Clarice specifically fucking with him. Like, she knew that was going to piss him off, and she knew she should have probably told him upstairs, but she, like, led him on to, like, put the hammer down in, like... Well, I think... It's, like, a, a really smart use of the little bit of control that she has and the little bit of power that she has that she gets to, like, really stick it to this guy, I think is so smart and so fun. I could see it as that way, but how I took it was that kind of ingratiate him to you so he will give you information about what he thinks about Lecter, what's going on, because she doesn't have as much insight to, like, what his time there has been like. So it <sighs> becomes very obvious that this guy, he's like, oh, Hannibal thinks I'm his rival. And it's like, no, he doesn't. But you think he does. <laughs> uh, so yeah. that, like, already tells her a lot, gives her a lot of information. And also, strangely enough, he's carrying a Polaroid in his jacket pocket from when a nurse got her face <gasps> bit off. From when Hannibal was, like, let free for, like, two seconds in an MRI machine or something. I was like, why okay. is he carrying that around? <laughs> I did not even question that, but you are 100% right. That's insane. He, like, pulls out. He's like, if you want to see what why we keep Hannibal under such lock and key, it's because this is what he did to a nurse. He pulls a Polaroid out of his pocket. You're absolutely right. I did yeah. not think about it. I was just like, oh, yeah, of course. Why? Why? <laughs> Because there would have been no reason to have that just with him like that to <laughs> illustrate that point. And it shows again like how obsessive Chilton is about trying to get one over on Hannibal, trying to prove he's better than him when he's just like very obviously a petty, sweaty little man who is trying to take advantage of other people in order to get a step up. Clarice is one of those people he's trying to take advantage of, which fucking sucks. Boy, is he. <laughs> So Clarice meets Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter immediately sees right through her. He's like, oh, you are trying to put on airs of a city girl and you are a country rube. Sorry. I I'm going to kind of breeze over this a little bit. So stop me if there's anything you're super interested in wanting to talk to. But this is when Lecter kind of like starts to like Clarice. Like he 
sends her away. He doesn't really want to talk to her. He doesn't want to fill out the survey that she brought. And Miggs, the prisoner in the next cell, flings his cum into Clarice's <laughs> face in a way that, like, I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, you can't do that. You can't do that in a movie. What are you talking about? Right? Like, I, so I didn't even have context for what was going on in that scene when I saw that as a child. Like, I didn't know what was happening. So it wasn't until I was an adult, I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't understand at all what was going on. Yeah. (laughs) I had no idea. And I think also Hannibal is taking advantage of the juxtaposition between him and Miggs, who Miggs is like this absolute Mm. barbaric, insane creep. And he's like this refined, but also very dangerous man. Yeah. Because he, like, calls her back and is like, oh, I would never do that to you. Here, here's a clue. And gives her, like, a very enigmatic clue that she has to, like, decipher to figure out. To, like, kind of draw, take advantage of a situation where she felt vulnerable to try and give her something to, like, manipulate her feeling closer to him in a way, To ingratiate himself to her. Yeah, exactly. Had had not thought about that. That's 100% what he's doing. Very crafty. Just, like, their entire conversation of him assessing her is extremely interesting in the first part because mig says something like really gross to her and mm-hmm. hannibal like asked like what did he say to you so testing what she remembered and also if she would say it to him mm. and she did and he was impressed by the fact that she was just like frank and just said it and didn't care and she's also calling what? him sir the whole time trying to like you know kind of put him on a pedestal be like very respectful in this way kind of playing the game which he's like yeah i can i can understand that i know where you're coming from and it isn't until the survey when he's like, oh, you were doing so well, and now you just gave me this shitty survey. No thanks. Mm-hmm. And then he turns it with the next interaction. These two, <laughs> these two have such chemistry. They just like immediately off the bat, he's like, hey, would you divulge this specific bit of information? She's like, I would. And he's like, wow. And she's like, wow. Like, these two are vibing. They're hanging out. They're getting to know each other. They know they found somebody in the world. What a special feeling for both of them. <laughs> and they're also not talking about Buffalo Bill yet. It's just about them interacting at this right. point. So Right. We do not know what the... Uh... Okay, I'll ask you this right now. Does this movie uh-huh. feel a little bit like a CSI episode to you? Yes. Like, it, it feels like shows and media in the future looked back at this movie and right. took a lot from it. Just wholesale fucking lifting it in some cases, I think. Yeah, it, it's... It's almost a situation where, like, The Simpsons will parody a famous movie scene, and then when you see that movie scene, it just, like, doesn't hold a ton of weight. Mm -mm. It it almost feels like a little, like, this movie is watered down by how many times it's been copied. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like Buffalo Bill is the monster of the week in a Academy Award winning movie. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's a very strange vibe. Yeah, the performances like with Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, I think are what elevate it even now. Mm -hmm. Their interactions. I also think it definitely, it's doing some really smart, subtle psychological storytelling. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Like it's doing a lot of thematic storytelling that obviously CSI doesn't do a lot of, but it does kind of have this like, oh, there's a man and here's his specific profile. (laughs) Yeah. Which... Which, uh, okay, so we've got Clarice is sent on a hunt through this clue. Uh, Dr. Lecter tells Clarice to go look for a Miss Moffat, an old patient of his, but that she has to look deep inside yourself, herself, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's weird to describe this in third person. He tells Clarice to look deep inside yourself. And he says it like it's a clue. 
<laughs> like I had to go yeah. back and rewatch it because that line just kind of washed over me. But he does say, "Look deep inside yourself, Clarice." Like he might as well say, "Look deep inside yourself." the storage facility where I have rented a place. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I think also Clarice picked up on the fact that it didn't sound like his cadence, like saying like, look deep inside yourself. Like that's not something he would say. Mm -hmm. So she was like, that's weird. That's a clue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she finds a storage locker called yourself. She opens it, goes inside, finds a bunch of old pianos and shit, but also <laughs> a uh, severed head in a jar. Yep. So that's that's wild. At this point Quite is when spooky. we meet the killer. He abducts mm. a young woman named Catherine Martin, uh, pretending to lift a sofa into his van and then pushes her inside and takes her. Oh, my uh, God. Catherine Martin turns out to be the daughter of a U.S. senator. So that's like a big he, deal. He fucked up. Um, and I got to say, like that, that scene, like it made me so cautious, especially seeing it like as a kid. It's like anybody mm. there could be a person faking a disability who's gonna fucking try yes. to kill you like don't trust yeah. anybody if you're it, out at night leave people alone leave yeah, them to like, struggle with their own couches dude by himself asking me to help him with his car no thank you i'm sorry no, I would you're rather... allowed to shoot him yeah <laughs> call, you can shoot him with a gun call triplet yeah the gun that you know i have because of course i have one of those <laughs> I also thought as a really cute little detail when she first drives up, her cat is waiting at the window to greet her from the apartment, <gasps> yes. meowing at her. And like she talks back to him. I can't remember what his name is, mm -hmm. but it says like a really cute little thing. And I remember that being the last shot of this scene is he drives away with his cat's owner and then they just cut yeah, back to the cat. The and you're like, like, meowing, oh, well, like, wait, <laughs> that's it. That's it for that cat. <laughs> All right. The clock is ticking. Bill is going to murder Catherine. Clarice goes to Dr. Lecter and says, hey, we're going to make you a deal. If you analyze Buffalo Bill's case file, we'll transfer you to a room with a view. Lecter agrees, so long as Clarice gives him a little insight about herself. Jeez, has this guy ever heard of a work-life balance? <laughs> Anyhow, Clarice's deal is fake. And the head of the facility, Dr. Chilton, is listening in to Clarice's conversations with Dr. Lecter. He then goes and facts checks, does a little fact checking to see if that deal is real. He finds out that the deal is fake and offers Dr. Lecter a deal of his own. Uh, so there was a whole thing with like the death's head moths and everything. I don't know if how yes how important it is to go over that real quick but just before we start i mean going it's kind of the it. iconography of this film right that's like the poster that yeah. you see it's like a i think it's clarice with like a death said moss over her mouth yeah so they find the first victim who was found third because she was weighted down so it's like very specific that he was taking her time his time with her to try and conceal her and then later he got like confident and sloppy and just didn't give mm -hmm. a shit about weighing them down so they found but her this is, later. This is Buffalo Bill's victim. Yes, Buffalo Bill's first victim, which, you know, in, in terms of serial killings and murderers in general, the first kill is usually very significant, especially if it's hmm. a serial killer. It'll tell you a lot about, you know, their their thought process, their uh, victim profiling, like what their whole motive is with all of this. Because one of the things mm -hmm. they talk about is that these crimes are not sexually motivated, even though all of the victims are women. Hmm. He's, like, doing something very specific, skinning parts of their bodies very specifically, and then putting a death's moth cocoon in their throat as well to, like, mm -hmm. symbolize change and all that. Oh, and listen, so it the Hannibal universe <laughs> in general is obsessed with serial killers who are transforming from one thing to another. Is the it, Hannibal it, TV show, it, like, loves okay. it because they, they have to have a new 
crazy fucked up serial killer every single week. And it's mm-hmm. always just like, he thought he was man and he had to transform into a god by cutting angel wings into this person's body. Like, I do it's very much always remember that. About, like, <laughs> yeah. he, he, wanted, he wanted to turn from man into fungus. So he buried his victims in the ground and let their fungus grow. Like he's all, it's oh always God, they're trying to transform. <laughs> they are tired of being a man and they want to be another thing. So they have to serial kill. I mean, some people, it's just how they they do their thing, I guess. <laughs> and they're written by TV Doc- writers. That's how it works. Dr. Chilton swoops in and secures Lecter a deal of his own. If Lecter will give up Buffalo Bill's identity, he'll get him a damn cell. I can't remember what the specifics of the deal was. His, he gets to go to a different prison that's better. Um, Lecter agrees as long as he can tell the senator Buffalo Bill's identity to her face. This is the moment when we get Hannibal Lecter in straight jacket <laughs> on a fucking two wheeler with his iconic masking? face mask. Yeah. yeah. The, he has a mask specifically designed like they have enough serial killers <laughs> that bite. I guess so. Just <laughs> dangerous individuals, I suppose. Just like eating based killers are yeah. so common in this world that that's just like a because a st- it's like old and weathered he's got this mask that like if you envision Hannibal Lecter like you can kind of picture the mask it just goes over his lower jaw and up over his nose and has a little like space for him to talk but like metal bars over yeah. his mouth <laughs> which and almost it's just, like, like simulate beat up teeth old thing. in a way <laughs> yeah. right it looks way scarier than it needs to yeah. <laughs> there's no reason for it to be designed but the fact that it's like old beat up brown leather suggests to me that it's just something they had sitting around in the police area. Like, like just Maybe. in the storeroom. They're just got a couple of them. And it's like, oh, well, we've got another biting based killer. Let's yeah, I feel like because the leather would be like thick, but also malleable. So like if you had a plastic thing or something, mm. it wouldn't fit every face. But if you have something malleable, That's it could true. fit any face. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> This is when, this is your favorite scene, I yeah, know. Yeah. Dr. Lecter <laughs> goes and talks to the senator. What what happens, Roxy? Okay, so the delivery in this is so funny because he's just kind of like baiting them along to talk as long as they can, sort of, to the point where like he's being, he's like seeing how far he can go by being an asshole and just speaking like kind of obscenely and uh, distastefully to the senator and everybody else there. <sighs> Because it makes Chilton look bad also. Because Chilton's like, oh, look, at I brought him here. He's going to do this thing for me. He's going to perform like I said he would. So it feels like it's kind of a fuck you to Chilton. Which I think mm-hmm. Chilton being so awful is kind of a way of tricking the audience to empathize with Hannibal. Which I think is really mm-hmm. interesting. Because Chilton is so shitty to him. So petty to him. And Hannibal's like taking the higher road and not really antagonizing him. He's like quiet, doesn't say anything, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, I thought that was an interesting trick that they kind of did, but he's kind of I n- like I never really thought about it, here. but you're right. Uh, you're totally right in that Hannibal is like a villain that we kind of love and that we are excited. Like I sort of, I, I wrote it in my notes as I was watching this movie, the classic Simpsons bit, like in the Poochie episode when they're like going to the fireworks factory and Mills is like, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? 
I felt like watching this movie, I every time Buffalo Bill or Clarice were doing something, I was like, when are they going to get to the Hannibal Lecter factory? This, like, I love Hannibal Lecter. Well, the thing is, he has, like, this air of sophistication, yeah, and, like, respect that he's showing Clarice, but then he will sometimes twist it, like, there's an unpredictability to it where mm-hmm. he might just, like, say something really triggering or, like, kind of gross to her to, like, kind of keep her on her toes or manipulate her or needle her to get a reaction so he can get her more <laughs> honest or something. Because obviously she's got an angle when she's talking to him. Obviously Chilton has an angle. Um, and obviously mm-hmm. the uh, the senator has an angle, which is just she's a desperate mom trying to get her kid back. So she's he, he knows what she's about. And since he is right. like a former psychologist, he's used to analyzing people this way. And it is definitely something that like fascinates him and he loves to do. So yeah, he kind of like strings her along until like she says, okay, He's not going to tell me anything. Get get him out of here. Get this monster or animal out of here. I can't remember the exact line. Then he's like, okay, uh-huh. fine. And then just like rapid fire tells her really quickly, like the information, <laughs> like his height, weight, where he lived, uh, hair color, things like that. Um, and gives like a name that is not a real name. But of course, they just kind of like take it at face value. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, sorry, mom, I'll let you know if I can think of anything else. And then as she's walking away, he's like, wait, hold up, Senator love your suit and like does a little wink at her and i just couldn't stop laughing for like five minutes like 3 a.m i'm sitting on my couch by myself just like i had to pause the movie and then post a twitter about it because it was just so funny to me roxy i woke up to like a bunch of texts from you like the gifts (laughs) of him saying love the suit i was just like roxy has found her scene soulmate and i'm so happy for you (laughs) that you two are gonna be happy love the suit it's just it's and yeah, so Anthony Hopkins mean? delivery. Yeah. But he's also, so, I think I, he literally thinks it, too. I think because she's got money, so she's probably got a nice suit. Because he comments about how yeah. Clarice's bag is nice, but her shoes are cheap. As, like, a mm, way to yeah. analyze her, kind of break her down, and also, like, just show what he knows as well. <laughs> so you can tell, again, he has a taste for the finer things, including fashion. So he knows. Boy, does he. <laughs> So he's fucking needling her, but also flexing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually wrote down, like, why is he so mean to her? I don't know. Like, what did she Because do? he can, she- and also I think it's just Chilton being there. Him being there because of Chilton he doesn't like, and Clarice has betrayed him at this point, which I don't think mm-hmm. he didn't expect that from her, but I think at the same time he he probably kind of thought she was being straight up to a degree. Or- right. I don't know. He was hurt. I, I could tell there's like a suspension of disbelief maybe where he might have thought We so. do kind of have to take a quick sidebar. I'm surprised we've gone this long without mm. talking about it because it's one of my favorite things of all time. But where are you mm-hmm, at with the mm-hmm. Hannibal TV show? Um, So I watched all of season one and I think maybe season two. Mm. Um, I think I stopped when there was like glass plates separating a body into many things in like a lighthouse or something. And I was just like, oh, okay, I think yep. this is... I think I'm done. <laughs> that was that was enough for you. So that was, was that, that season was two like or three? A, pretty early season two. Okay, season two. Yeah, I think it was just like all of thing. That I, we'll we'll talk about this in more detail later because who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. we'll watch the show for for a thing. Um, I hope so. I, I feel like it, it's been years since I watched it, but I remember just being like, okay, you know what? That's. I think I'm just good now. <laughs> I got everything mm-hmm. I want out of this. I love Mads Mikkelsen, but I think it's okay. <laughs> I just, when I think about With Hannibal not being this. hurt, when Hannibal is devastated, and it's like, oh yeah, I guess uh-huh. Clarice kind of hurt him, because he loved Clarice. It's just like, but he's never been hurt like he was hurt by Will. Oh, I love <laughs> those two. Oh, I want to see love. Will Graham and... 
it's not even Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter, but like Mads Mickelson and Hugh Dancy. I just I need to see them make out. There that's something go. I need to see before I die. I love I them that's so the much. Finale. That's not the finale. What a letdown it, if that's it, not the finale. It, it kind of is in its own way. Well, I mean, it, it got canceled before they could. Oh, what? It. I thought it like ran its course and ended. It got no. preemptively canceled. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had plans for like, they, they did their I, Red Dragon season. so well, though, I thought. I Ooh, thought, like, no, very bad. Really? <laughs> Nobody oh. was watching that show. Like, shockingly few people were watching that show. Wow, I my perception of it's it was like that. It's like picked up a little a little a cult vibe since then, but yeah, it was. Maybe that's it. like I have not... people on my Twitter timeline like artists who still do like fan art of those two because they love the series that much this right. long after it, it's, it's been since, over. It's since gotten like kind of culty, but yeah, okay. at the time Maybe it was a resurgence. A poor struggling baby girl. <laughs> we loved it so much. Back to Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> All the while, Buffalo Bill is doing weird shit with Catherine. He's making her put the lotion on the skin or it gets the hose again. He's having her it. eat very tiny chicken wings. <laughs> yeah, he's calling her it. And I can't remember yeah. where that scene comes up in relation to the video that the senator puts out asking Buffalo Bill to return her daughter. But they like Clarice is watching it on TV and she comments. They're like, oh, they're saying the name Catherine over and over so that he has to think of her as a person and not a thing. Yeah, and showing, like, these photos of her childhood. And then when we meet him, he's literally calling her it. He's yeah. calling her it puts the lotion. He's not even saying you. He's not even addressing her. He says it puts the lotion. Is that, like, what, third person objective form? Like, he's yeah, not. Yeah, it's probably a way to disassociate because he's just seeing right, them as exactly. material to make his woman suit. Not uh, as it? individuals, not as even humans. <laughs> like, yeah, just objects for just fabric. <laughs> I guess. I also want to say this is the point where uh, Catherine pulls a little trick and mm. gets Buffalo Bill's dog down into the little hole she's being held in. And goddamn, Catherine, <laughs> good on you. You become the yeah. first victim of a serial killer to become the bad guy. How am I rooting against <laughs> the innocent girl who was abducted by a serial killer? She fucking breaks a poodle dog's leg? Get out of here. But that dog is, I mean, the dog doesn't know any better because it's a dog. But the way the dog is, like, backing up Buffalo Bill and almost this, like, <laughs> comical, like, like cartoon villain sidekick kind of way where it's, like, reinforcing and then just, like, he'll, he'll like, hold the dog and be like, yes, isn't that right, Precious, or something like that. Um, that is such like a funny way to think about that dog. Like, in on it, but it felt like it was consciously <laughs> in on it. So when that happens, you're just kind of like, uh, I'm fine with whatever inspires <laughs> here. It's like that Looney Tunes of like the giant muscular bulldog, and then the little tiny yappy dog who's like bouncing around, like yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love thinking as the, of the dog and Buffalo Bill as like friends, yeah, that are like work associates. <laughs> Unbelievable. But it's a bargaining chip, so it's smart because she knows that he cares about the dog. It, the dog has a name. He seems very affectionate with it. So, yeah. Take something I don't he remember loves. how that scene ends. It, it feels like she just gets the dog, and that's I all we see of Catherine. That's when for a while. Clarice following the clues from the first victim. So, Hannibal gave the name of somebody that the FBI is going after. They're like, oh, yeah, we got this guy. He's over here. And he mm -hmm. was connected to, like, the moth sales because they were following the trail of the moth sales. So it sounded right. like it could be legitimate. But Clarice is like, I think we need to look more at the first victim, like, all this stuff. So she goes to the house, finds some more clues. And 
it, it's about how Lecter posed this question earlier, which was, what does he covet? Like, what does he want? Like, what is his motivation? Mm. And what he covets is something he saw every day. So that's how she makes the connection that the first victim was someone he knew. Uh, so kind of following mm. the trail back to this house that an old woman right. who worked with the first victim doing alterations, uh, she went to go question <laughs> this old woman, and uh, Buffalo Bill is living in that house. So she rings the doorbell and interrupts the whole right. hostage standoff with the dog in the Got basement it. well. <laughs> okay, so that's with Catherine's narrative ends at the end of the movie when she, like, she catches the dog and that's when the climax begins. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Got it. Okay. So I just I just realized I hadn't talked about Buffalo Bill in my recap yet. <laughs> I was like, oh, I gotta go. I'll just go dump it all in one beat. Go for all it. All right. We go back to Hannibal Lecter, locked in the fancy new digs provided by the Chilton deal, when he is again visited by Clarice. Who knows that he was feeding the senator some bullshit? This is when they do the quid pro quo. Who is Buffalo Bill? She wants to know. And he's like, oh, I'll tell you. But first, tell me more about yourself. She tells him about uh, the time she saw a bunch of lambs getting killed, how she ran into the forest, and she tried to save a lamb. Couldn't do it. Very heavy. <laughs> There's something so funny to me about, like, she was just like, the lambs were so heavy. I was like, I guess. Yeah, because she's like nine or ten years old trying to carry it, like, yeah. through the woods, running, scared. It's cold out. She doesn't know where she's going. I think she said she got, like, maybe two miles. Yeah, I feel like the problem would be, like, the lamb would be kicking and screaming and well the she, whole like, thing is that they wouldn't move or... like as they were being slaughtered they wouldn't move like she opened the cage to try and or the gate to be like oh. leave like free yourself and they wouldn't do it they were just standing there because that's oh, right. what lambs do that's so, a great point yeah yeah that's her the heartbreak of it because she was just like she couldn't understand why they wouldn't try and save themselves so she had to do something anyways that's why this movie is called silence of the lambs uh not <laughs> yep. a good title that's not what this movie is about that's just, like, one weird little moment from it. Like, I mean, the, uh, I'd say that's debatable because moth. Catherine, Catherine is, like, the lamb in this situation that Clarice is trying I so doggedly know, to save once again as an adult. It's not about Catherine. It's about Clarice, though. I, I don't know. We'll t I guess we'll talk in a minute about what okay. I think it's really okay. about. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At this point, Lecter gives Clarice a file. And says that she'll find everything she needs to know in its pages. Yes. And as he hands yeah. her this file, oh my God. he does a creepy little <laughs> finger touch. A little like, touch. oh, what's, what's yeah. up, baby? Here's my finger. <laughs> I made and it it's very clear <laughs> that Hannibal Lecter is creeping on our girl. It's like so weirdly like chased, but also just very creepy. Because, like, I don't yeah. know if you've seen any of the, like, period dramas and stuff, like, in Victorian era, things like that, where, like, people don't touch each other. And it's, like, a big mm. deal if a woman was not wearing gloves and you would, like, touch hands. Like, that's mm. a thing. And it just, yeah. it, for some reason, echoed that kind of interaction, but, like, twisted to me. That I was just like, yeah. oh, man. Oh, it's so creepy and well, well done. And I hate it. It. It just like it earlier in the film, Hannibal questions uh, Jack Crawford's motives. He's like, "You don't think yes. Jack Crawford wants to sleep with you?" And she's just like, eh. "But like in this moment, Hannibal reveals that he wants to sleep with her." And it's something, something. that Chilton brings up right at the beginning. He's like, "Oh, Jack Crawford yeah, you're his type. is sending you because you're a sexy little thing to turn him on, and that's what'll get him talking." And, like, this idea that Hannibal is, like, above her is kind of, like, what makes it so, like, frightening. It's, like, that's kind of the first time we see Hannibal at his truest. He's, like, 
all the air is gone. He's just, it's, he is a man saying, like, I would like to sleep with you in that moment. And just like, ugh. Kind like, of. Gross for, th- for both of them, but also, like, uh, gross that he, like, that he has this, like, same base instinct that every man we've seen interact with Clarice has. It's like Hannibal Lecter is just like on a pedestal this whole movie as the ultimate brilliant brainiac. And then in that moment, he like touches her hand and is like, oh, you're just like every shitty man in this movie. And Maybe. I feel like that's sort of the point. I could definitely see that element to it. I felt like th- there's a sense of longing that he never wants to act on it. He likes her being far away mm-hmm. out in the world doing her thing which he'll like say that later we'll we'll get back to that but mm-hmm. she she mentions how like oh i'm never going to see him again and i don't know how to explain it but i think he would think it would be rude cuz he like said mm-hmm. his goodbye and that was kind of just like it um and i think it's right. like he finds her interesting maybe he does find her attractive but i think mentally he probably hasn't been able to like engage with anybody even remotely close to his level in like eight years because he's just got Chilton who thinks Graham. he's his rival yeah I mean like that's <laughs> the prequel right uh, so mm-hmm. maybe maybe looking at it from that perspective because I don't know if uh, Will Graham was in the books like if that is a character that existed in the mythos before he was but they were not in love okay so I, I don't know if there's like a duality there where he like sees her in or sees him in her sees Will and Clarice but also just, like, she's a trainee, she's a student, he's, like, kind of teaching her in a way as well. Mm. Like, guiding her through the things to be, like, you know, all of the clues are right there, you just have to look at it. And he basically makes one little note, like, you know, the way a teacher would or something, to, mm. like, give a hint. And that's what, like, sets yeah. her off to figure it out. And, like, it starts with oh. their first interaction where he gives her, like, a puzzle, essentially, or, like, a riddle that she figures out, mm-hmm. deduces, finds that storage unit and that body in there. So... I could definitely see there's, like, a sexual element to it, but I don't know. Maybe, for me, I just saw it as finding some sort of intellectual equal or just something he found intellectually stimulating as well. As, yeah, mm. she's she's very attractive. Um, mm. And a lot of the dudes in this movie, you'll just... They'll show shots of, like, dudes ogling her, like, literally giving her an up-and-down, like, look. Which mm. is, like, a lot more obvious. So then I guess, yeah, as you're talking about contrasting it with... Lecter's subtlety is interesting to put him in a similar level of different interaction. I'm going to really quick run through the last few beats that happen in this movie because I kind of really just want to talk about the big idea of it. Okay, I, yeah. We keep, we keep getting into it and I... This movie is just so fascinating. It's, it is. No, sorry, absolutely. it's easy to like get off track to talk about every little thing. We'll, we'll definitely come back to this scene a little more later. But uh, the, Hannibal Lecter at this point escapes from prison in the all-time greatest scene that could have been cut from the movie and changed it not at all. This movie is like about... No, it's awesome and it's what makes it like... When we were talking earlier about this being like a CSI movie, it's like this scene is what makes it not a CSI show. But... This story about Buffalo, like, it's so funny to me. We have this really long escape where Hannibal, like, gets locked to his cage while they're serving him dinner. And he picks the lock from a pen that he stole from Chilton. And it's this whole long engaged. He ends up, like, beating the yeah, shit out of... Yeah, when they telegraph that, it's really good. <laughs> he steals the pen. He, like, pulls the pen off that he used to pick the handcuffs. He chains the cop to the cell, kills the other one. While music uh, plays. Carves him into an angel statue. <laughs> yeah. 
puts his face on like it's yeah. crazy it's it so smart so- too because they're just like oh he just mutilated his face that's why he looks so jacked up and it's like no he literally skinned and wore his face like a mask and swapped their outfits because like you hear this giant it's- thud and so like the the cops think he's like i don't know jumped somewhere or is climbing somewhere so they don't even think about it till later which is very well put together i think yeah, they, like, find his body on top of the elevator, and then they're like, no, that's our friend with no face, <laughs> so where's Hannibal? And then the body that they're taking to the hospital. Like, In the ambulance, yeah. Because he knew, like, he and, would have to get out. Like, that's the only way you can get out. By pr- by posing as a police officer who was injured, they will give you priority if they suspect that, you know, Hannibal is lurking mm. above you in this elevator, they're going to get the injured person out of there as fast as they can before they deal with it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's very smart. <laughs> it's an awesome scene. It's very scary. It's horrifying. And then the <laughs> moment the scene ends and, like, Clarice's friend goes and tells her, Clarice is like, well, it'll be fine. Back to Buffalo Bill. They just go on. <laughs> the movie just continues on like a fucking freight train. She's just like, yeah, okay, but I've got other things going on. <laughs> if you cut the entire scene of Hannibal escaping and i guess you'd have to cut the phone call at the end the movie does not change <laughs> it is the exact same it's just got this one scene plunked in the middle of it that sets the i don't free. think so i i would disagree because the whole movie it's not about buffalo bill it's about clarice and hannibal's exchanges about buffalo bill and about like I know, human nature in general. I, I, I agree thematically. So I feel like you need to know that he is doing... One, it shows that, like, even no matter how refined he acted in front of Clarice, he's still a fucking psycho murderer who will kill anybody to escape in the most gruesome fashion, has a fun time doing it. Like, you finally see him in his element instead of just knowing about, like, his history briefly. Because this whole mm. time, Buffalo Bill is being seen as the villain, which he is. But it shows that Hannibal Lecter is actually the villain the whole time. He just, you know, can well, change his face when he needs to, in a way. Well, that I, that was a pun that I didn't mean to make. I didn't mean to make <laughs> that, that pun. That was pretty good. <laughs> it feels like this whole, like, I, I 100% agree thematically, like, what this movie is about is about these two people. Uh-huh. But, like, the fact that Hannibal's escape plays zero role in the climax... And that it doesn't even really change how Clarice is going about her investigation at all. It's, like, narratively, like, beat-to-beat storytelling. It's just, like, it could have been cut. But it's more about it how after cut. she after she closes the case, she took out Buffalo Bill. She graduates. She's an official member of the FBI now. She's at, mm-hmm. like, the graduation party with her friend. And then she gets that call, and it's like, he's still there. He's still, like, you... Yes. You solved one thing, but you didn't solve everything, and he's still out mm-hmm. there. Well, and I, and I guess real quick, we'll just say this is the end of the plot summary. Yeah, she finds Buffalo Bill. They do this cool, like, trickery where we think that the FBI is swarming on Buffalo Bill, but they're actually swarming on Lecter's fake lead. And Clarice ends up alone with Buffalo Bill, and they have, like, a cool shootout in the dark. And Ooh, very Clarice graduates. She uh, and, th- and these are the two parts, and this is why I think that the Hannibal scene is like overtly sexual, okay. And why I think that this movie is ultimately about the male gaze. And, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and like, but, like not just the male it, gaze, but like but like 
the madness like it's it like it's like tying the male gaze into insanity because it's like the idea is that Hannibal Lecter is I should say the end of this movie is Jack Crawford is at Clarice's graduation party she makes it into the FBI officially and he reaches out or or rather she reaches out to shake his hand and mm. he takes her hand and shakes it they do zoom in on and that and they zoom in and it's like a big deal and that was the moment where I was like Oh fuck! Are they gonna? Is Jack gonna hit on her too? And the fact that he does not do any sort yeah. of gross finger touching. Yeah, it's no, like, it's just like a perfectly oh, fine handshake, like a standard handshake you would give anyone. Business professional, and it was him. Like it was him for the first time playing a fatherly role, like saying your father would be proud of you. Like, yeah, a completely non-sexual statement. He is the only man who never really takes advantage of her or hits on her or tries to get with her. Yeah, and like he took advantage of her being a woman for this situation, but he chose her because she's smart and because he like believes she could do right. it, which, yeah. So what I think is so interesting about this ending is that we get the Jack moment and he says, don't forget about your phone call. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets a phone call from Hannibal Lecter, who's just like, surprise, I'm in Jamaica. I'm about to go eat Chilton. Yeah, I'm he literally has a fly on his for face. dinner. <laughs> it's Stop the them. greatest. It's very and good. he's wearing the worst wig. Oh, my God. I <laughs> forgot wearing... about the wig. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> it's like not scary or funny or anything. It's just like really it's like this bad, long, blonde wig. And he's still like an he's old man. He's wearing a hat over it, too. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins has somehow always been an old man. Yeah. Like, I can't so... imagine him being young, honestly. I'm sure oh. maybe somebody can tweet us pictures of when he was young or something. Some I will shots. say I, I did watch from the movie Red Dragon, which they made in like the late nineties. Yeah. Um. Oh wait, no, two thousands. Was in the two. Was it the two thousands? Yeah. It's with Edward Norton playing Will Graham and Anthony Hopkins back as Hannibal Lecter, okay. but like from before Silence of the Lambs. And so I watched the scene where like Will figures out that Hannibal is a killer. And it's disgusting. He's supposed to be younger than he was in Silence of the Lambs. And he is the oldest man in history. And he has his long hair pulled back into a ponytail. Oh, no, he's got a ponytail. Oh, God. It's the grossest thing I, I ever saw. I want to rewatch both of those movies now. But, like, I'm not looking forward to seeing that ponytail. <laughs> he reminded me that it exists. I'm, I'm sad now. Just the fact that it was supposed to be during the Hannibal TV series time, I was just like, uh, unacceptable. <laughs> they are, these are the most complex, beautiful characters in history. And it was just Edward Norton being like, golly, there's just some killer out there. And he seems to be uh, eating them. <laughs> ah. uh, it's very bad. Okay, so we've got Hannibal Lecter, who Jack Crawford says, don't forget your phone call. Mm-hmm. And she goes and talks to Hannibal Lecter, who is on the run. I feel like this movie is about, like, looking into the face of reality. This is Clarice's first time doing actual FBI work. It's certainly not her first time being leered at by men, but it's just like, oh, this is what the world is. This is what behavioral science in the FBI is going to teach you about insanity, about madness, and about men, <laughs> about the way men look at women. And so, like, this tying of every single character— being a dick to Clarice and trying to ask her out and trying to get with her. And Hannibal Lecter even saying that Jack Crawford is doing the same. Yeah, it's like and putting we get that to this ending. seed in her mind. 
Right. And it's really upsetting. Yeah. Like, because she just wants a father figure and she wants it, I think, from Hannibal. Maybe. And I think I that's can why see it's like taking advantage of so that. disturbing yeah. to me when we get the finger well, touch that's why because it's like, it seems you're more not like a protege it. type thing. Because he's like teaching her along the way as well. That's why it always felt it's more instructional. It felt more like a fatherly or like teacher kind of thing. But no, it does. Un- like, but, and, yeah. and I think it, but that's why it's so upsetting when the, I feel like that gets broken okay. by the finger touch. Gotcha. Because he he is mentorly, and she's like, okay, well, he respects me. And it's like, oh, now no, it's I, like, does he? <laughs> yeah. In the same way that she that he had questioned Jack Crawford. So like watching it this time, this is what I was talking about when I say like every time I watch this, it's something new. It's like the way that like the handshake with Jack Crawford is framed almost exactly the way the hand brush is with Hannibal. Yeah, it's very close up, and I think slightly slowed down. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's such a relief to me because I remember yeah. even now yeah. thinking, like, is he gonna? Yeah, I was ask worried about out? that too, <laughs> especially because Hannibal put that didn't. seed in your mind as well. And like, nothing he's done has uh, with Jack has suggested that. The only like faux pas mm-hmm. he made was when he was just rude to her in front of local cops to like, oh, I don't think we should be talking mm-hmm. about bad things in front of a lady. Like, yeah talking down to her in that way but it was never sexualized his interactions mm-hmm. with her ever um but yeah, yeah hannibal so, suggesting it though especially with the difference of power like puts that in your mind to be like wait mm-hmm. shit is he is he scummy uh-huh. so this this movie i think ends on both a beautiful and bleak note in that it's like saying like there are good people Jack Crawford, who we've been kind of suspicious of, that we've, he's almost a thematic red herring of, like, is he gonna turn out to be the shitty dude in all of this that, like, is kind of lingering throughout the movie. I feel like that's clearly what Hannibal's little seed of doubt is about, but I also think that's what that scene with the cops is about, is about, like, building us up towards one way of thinking about Jack. Like, he's gonna be just like every other man in this movie, and the twist at the end that I think is beautiful and kind of lovely is like, no, he's just, like, a good dude. Yeah, and I think she also makes a statement, like, because she, you can tell she wanted to say something, but she's like, it's gonna make it worse if I address him in front of the other cops, so I'll just Mm. bite the bullet and deal with it for now. And then after they're done um, investigating with the local cops there on the ride back, she tells him, like, you can't do that. Like, the local Mm -hmm. cops see how you treat me, and then that's how they will treat me. You know, they will look down on me if you're going to do that, so you can't do that. And he's, yeah, you know what? That was really shitty. I won't do it again. Yeah. So, like, he actually, like, like, listened to her, and as far as we know, is never going to do that again. (laughs) The twist of the movie is that he was just being honest. And he was just like, Yeah. yeah, that was messed up of me. Sorry. And so then we contrast that with, like, the fact that Jack is the one who says, don't forget your phone call. Like, it's it feels mm. like this now clearly defined source of good in the world says, don't forget, there's still horrific evil in the world. So she saved a lamb. And if the question is, are the lambs going to stop screaming? The answer is no. She got a phone yeah. call from a man in Jamaica who literally has a fly crawling on his head. He's so evil. Like, he's the <laughs> literal he's, devil. He's gonna he's gonna eat a person. He straight up says, like, I'm having an old friend for dinner. And yes. she knows what he means. He knows what he means. <laughs> but then the fact that it's Chilton can make the audience be kind of like, that's pretty funny, actually, because he's shitty. So who cares about <laughs> Chilton being eaten? Go for it, Hannibal. Thank God. So 
we again we've been kind of talking about it do you do you think is there like a a label we can put on like the deep human fear that this movie is addressing gosh i feel like it's dealing with so many things and a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff that we've touched upon but i think if we're looking at it through clarice's kind of journey she is kind of gaining confidence and strength even though like you know her position in a male-dominated world who doesn't take her seriously most of the time and being put up against these dudes who i really again the cinematography did a really good job of putting you in her place when these people are like leering at her and not taking her seriously with this point of view camera basically Mm -hmm. so i feel like it's kind of about her gaining strength and confidence that we always knew she had it's just kind of like she needed to do something to prove that she could and that she had it right i guess yeah i i like that a lot i feel like to me this movie is about confrontation and about looking looking the world in the face and what i think i like so much about it and what i like love so much about returning to this movie is that the answer is that it's both so much more horrible and so much better than you could have dreamed. Mm, like, I like the that. way we start out that's this po- movie is... Mikey, Mikey, that's poetic, what you just said. I Thank you. <laughs> I like that. I like that, yeah. <laughs> the fact that it starts out with, like, we're chasing Buffalo Bill. And he's pretty scary. And he's doing these things that are pretty scary and it's fucked up. And Clarice, like, to confront it, she's got to go confront Dr. Lecter. She's got to go... She's for the first time, looking madness in the face. And, it, like, if she's going to catch madness, she's got to look madness in the face. And this is what it looks like. And it's bad. It's yeah. really bad. And it's why I completely agree that thematically, this like, this movie would suck without the Hannibal Lecter escape. Because it's, like, what Hannibal does there is wizardry. He's, he's on the level of, like, the Joker in The Dark Knight. And that his plan does not make sense and would not hold up to any reasonable scrutiny. But it's like, he's not a character planning in that moment. He's, like, a force of nature. Yeah. The Hannibal Lecter that we see there is in complete control of you. There is nothing you can do. You are completely powerless to him. And, God, I wish we could talk about the Hannibal TV show. Because the way Hannibal gets caught and the way the Hannibal TV show addresses Hannibal being, like, the ultimate god of this universe is so cool and so lovely. <laughs> yeah, we should – that should be our Patreon bonus is just us watching Hannibal and We could do – that. man, that it. would be cool if we could do, like, watch parties or something on Patreon with people oh, to, yeah. like, watch the series oh, together. yeah. That would be rad. I guess yeah. people message but, us on, like, Twitter. Uh, we have the Twitter for the podcast, which is scary underscore basement. And then both me and Mikey are our names. So Roxy Polk and Michael McCuller mm-hmm. on Twitter. And also, hey, if we've got the Patreon up and going by that time, maybe stop by and tell us what you think. Because, <laughs> hey, Please that do. would be fun. I'd be down for that 110%. <laughs> All right, Roxy, on a scale of one to nine, since 10 does not exist in the scary basement, how likely do you think this situation is to happen? This exact situation. This exact situation. With all of situation. these elements coming together. So initially I was thinking like, Hannibal existing, someone like him. Sure, there's got to be someone mm-hmm. in the world like him. So a nine, why not? But now that I'm thinking about it with all of the elements put together, um, I'd say a one. Because I'm thinking perfect storm of all these things happening together could happen. Uh-huh. That's almost exactly what I wrote. I wrote, uh, I, I gave it a two. <laughs> give it a two? Because okay. I wrote, serial killer? Sure. 
There are serial killers. That is likely to happen. A serial killer who catches a senator's daughter? It's like, I don't know. But then a serial catches a serial killer catches the senator's daughter and is hunted by the literal devil. <laughs> like you're starting to lose me. <laughs> so yeah, I said it too. It could it could happen. I mean, there's there's no dragons. Elements of it. <laughs> At least this movie doesn't have dragons. Singularly. That's true. That's true. That it might be have... my cri- my new criteria for a one. Is like, does it have dragons? Like the zombie well, apocalypse then, no. is technically a two. Creature from the Black Lagoon no is a two because there's really? no dragons. Although one could argue the creature from the Black Lagoon does look like a swimming dragon. Kind of does. Hmm. I could well, see that. Something to think about. Well, I could, yeah, I'm <laughs> asking the big questions here. <laughs> it is time to collect your souls. I mean, it is time to collect your bets. Uh, last week we made a bet about the Silence of the Lambs. You sure did. We bet as to how many minutes of screen time would Buffalo Bill have. Uh, famously, Anthony Hopkins only has about 44 minutes of screen time, which uh, across okay. a two-hour movie is the lowest percentage for a Best Actor winner. So a lot of folks saying maybe he should have been Best Supporting Actor. Mm. I don't know. He's clearly the star of the movie, so I don't know what to tell you. Hey, Jodie Foster. But, she does an amazing uh, job. She is the star. She's... <laughs> She's, she's the headliner, man. I don't know. <laughs> she's the protagonist. Yes. I can't, I cannot say that she's the star. She's, she's, I don't even know that, I, what do we think about Jodie Foster's performance? I, thought I don't she think did, it's good or bad. I thought she did great, personally, especially yeah. like the way she balances like that, that tension of like having to be polite to these fuckers who are like talking down to you because mm. you know you have no other choice, like. She threads that so perfectly, and then just, like, the subtle interactions her and Anthony Hopkins have, I, again, like, their performances playing off of each other are, like, what make the entire movie. Um, That's true. Yeah. No, she's, uh, I almost, it's it's sad to say her performance to me almost feels like sound design, in that, oh, like, no. because it's, like, like, we don't notice it because it's so good. Like. Okay. Because you're, yeah. you're right. Like, the moment you said it, it was like, she feels oh, very yeah. natural. I, like, thinking about some of the things she does with Anthony Hopkins to, like betray the way she's feeling but also realize like communicate to us what she's feeling are really great you're absolutely yeah. right but it's all in service of anthony hopkins it's all there to feed this incredible iconic performance that like will never be topped even by anthony hopkins many years later well, that's kind in of how Dragon, is- when he has a ponytail yeah, like with villains in general, you know they're always a much bigger screen presence in terms of like what they can do you know, the mm-hmm. kind of, like, grandeur that the camera will usually give them um, in any kind of <laughs> movie, really, no matter who the villain is. They're always mm-hmm. going to stand out more than, like, the heroic characters. Uh, because, I, I again, do feel like this is a pretty big against. case of that. Yes. Yeah. I would say that, too. But I still think Jodie Foster did a very good job. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I th- I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, yeah, I think she did, too. I like Jodie Foster a lot. Uh, we were wondering how many screen times, minutes of screen time for Buffalo Bill. I said 18 minutes. Roxy, you said 25 minutes. Yeah, um, This is an exact count because I had to kind of scroll through and did my best to just kind of estimate about how long okay. the scenes were. I, I have a feeling whatever the approximate is, we're going to be so far away. I have a feeling. This, this is not satisfying. The approximate (laughs) that I got, which made me think maybe I should go do this approximate again, but it actually took me kind of a long time and I was really pissed about it. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I already watched this movie. I already wrote a bunch of stuff about it. I have a bunch of notes and now I'm just clicking through to look at Buffalo. Like I was really pissed off by this point. It was the last (laughs) thing I did. 
The num the estimate I came up with. Remember, I said eighteen. You said twenty five. Yes, twenty five. The estimate I came up with is twenty one point five. Wow. What? Okay. Quite, quite literally, in between both of our two guesses. <laughs> so nobody wins. It's just a tie. It's like it is. 100% a tie. That's kind of crazy, though. We were closer than I thought. I thought it was going to be like we were 10, really close. 10 minutes or something, and we were like, yeah, so I, th- far I off. thought we were going to be way under or way over, and we <laughs> yeah. were both pretty right on. Interesting. So, no, no one wins. Nobody wins. Well, that means Demon Bot doesn't win, also. So, that's great. I'm fine with that. I win by your continued torment in the basement because one day I shall break you and be able to claim your bodies for my own. Mikey, the mirror's over there, it's activated, and it's not gonna let us leave unless we go through it. We do. We have to step into the universe of this movie and talk to somebody who was somehow involved in the creation of it. So, let's go into the mirror. Boy, howdy, I sure hope it's not Hannibal. (laughs) Oh, hey, Hannibal Lecter! Here you are, down in the scary basement. Makes sense. You're pretty scary. How you doing there, Dr. Lecter? Quite well. I just finished an excellent meal. Uh, oh no. Did you eat a person? Oh, no, no. Tonight I ate a cheesy gordita crunch. You, uh, you guys ever have one of those? Like, from Taco Bell? Yes. It was scrumptious. I mean, I guess I just wouldn't picture you, Hannibal Lecter, a man of elegance and taste, as the kind of guy who would be super into eating Taco Bell. Under the care of Dr. Friedrich Chilton at the Baltimore State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, my food was of a certain, hmm, quality. But it was unvaried. I began to resent the drudgery, the repetition, when I took back my freedom. I wanted to expand my palate. And for someone with already expansive tastes, you can imagine the challenge. So you got a cheesy gordita crunch, and you liked it? Hmm, quite, quite, Roxy. It's got this, like, sauce inside. I could make it at home if it weren't for that sauce. It's simply a hard-shell taco and shredded cheese in a pita pocket. Okay, so this could actually be really good. Does this mean you stopped eating people? Of course not, Roxy. Just last night, a census taker tried to test me. I ate his liver with some waffle fries and a nice McFlurry. Got it, got it, got it. So you just eat fast food now? Because that's pretty much what I eat, too. I mean, especially when I'm really sad. Ah, Mikey, yes. But I am experiencing freedom for the first time in eight years. I long for the new, the untouched, the virginal. That is why when I went to Subway, I ordered a foot-long sub with all the meats. All the meats? All the meats. Of course, there was the roast beef, the turkey, the ham, but also there was the chicken breast, the tuna, the meatballs. Those meats do not go together. And yet, I had to try. 
The sub cost me $50, Clarice. Hey, Dr. Lecter, are you doing that thing where you only eat fast food since you're like, screw it, I already ruined my whole 30. I might as well just go all the way because that is 100% what I am doing right now. Mike, he, he called you Clarice. You know you're not supposed to give Hannibal Lecter personal information. You've seen this before. He'll use it against you. Mm, good point, Clarice. In general, I am trying to eat healthier, but I do not know if I could ever give up Wendy's. Oh, yeah, 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 dude. Wendy's is, like, real good. What do you get? I like the Baconator. Although I do have one complaint. About the Baconator? What's that? Mikey, stop! Don't let him into your mind. What are you doing? My complaint, dear Clarice. Would not the Baconator be better if instead it were the Peoplenator? I mean, a Baconator, but with people? That that sounds pretty good. Mikey, he's psychically driving you. He convinced Migs to kill himself. He's done this before. He's trying to convince you to eat people. How delicious would it be, Mikey Clarice, to not only eat food when you're sad, but to the very people who made you sad in the first place? Yeah, I could eat my old manager from GameStop. Okay, we're getting out of here before he turns you into a cannibal too, Mikey. Goodbye, Mikey and Roxy. Goodbye, Clarice. And remember... Wendy's did just add breakfast to the menu. Who knows what could be next? Okay, Mikey, are you okay? I got really worried about you in there. You said some wild things, and I don't think I'm okay with it. Are you okay? Uh, No. Listen, now that I'm kind of like out of Hannibal Lecter's influence. I'm feeling... Okay, he's not looking you in the eye and brushing your hand. Yeah, uh, (laughs) he might have... uh, I mean, we were just describing him as an all-powerful literal evil. He might be a wizard. Oh, well... Has anybody thought about this? What if he's a wizard? What if? Where's that AU? I bet there's a fan fiction out there somewhere where Hannibal Lecter is a wizard. (laughs) I just decided that I want to play as Hannibal Lecter in Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, then you should do that. You should find a DM. I'm doing a little do one-shot that. Dungeons and Dragons with uh, my Dungeons and Dragons group next week. And I've just, uh, in my head, go. decided, oh, I'm going to just be Hannibal Lecter. Do it. Do it. Uh-oh. Mikey and Roxy, do not get too comfortable having your souls in your bodies. By next week, you must watch the 2011 film Attack the Block, written and directed by Joe Cornish and starring John Boyega, Jodie Whittaker, and Alex Esmail. If you fail, your souls shall be forfeit and I shall claim your bodies as my own. Hey, Roxy? Mikey? What the demon bot says goes. Okay, we're watching Attack the Block. I'm excited for that, actually. So, hey, that will be an easy homework assignment for me. <laughs> yeah, let's watch Attack the Block. Heck yeah. Um, Before we do... We should make a bet okay. about this movie. Uh, how about I come up with the bet then going into this? You, you come you up cool with the with bet. That? that sounds good. Yes, please. Okay. So, Mikey, my question to you for this bet would be, how many people do weed in this movie, Attack the Block? How many individual characters are going to get high? <laughs> what do you think? Roxy, the way you said that was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> how many do weed? <laughs> 
to do the weed, you we, know. Excuse me, uh, gentle fellows. Uh, uh, were you about to do weed? Do you partake in weed? <laughs> 420 blaze it, as they say. <laughs> Um, I haven't seen this movie. The way you uh, uh, kind of brought that up makes me think that there will be yeah. a lot of drug use in this movie. So I'm there going to some. say 10. 10 characters. Okay. Um, I can't remember, but I do have a slight advantage since I have seen this before. So I'm going to guess five. Okay. So I got Ten half. and five. The half bet and half. locked in. All right. The pact has been sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. The closest to estimate the number of times people consume marijuana shall be the winner. The winner will get to read my fanfiction of the film where Sam is actually the Doctor and Moses is replaced by Finn. Roxy, before we start to make our attempt out of the scary basement, let's talk real quick about what's making us happy. Roxy, what is making you happy in your life this week? Uh, I got a lot of things making me happy this week. I find myself to be very fortunate, but I think the most unexpected one for me is that I am getting into like sewing again and like making little plush dolls. I'm teaching myself how to like follow patterns and make stuff three-dimensionally. Oh yeah. I love Actually this. during college, me and my college roommates who you are acquainted with, we bought like materials to try and make some of our like characters from like comics and stuff that we were making. And I think my friend Francesca, mutual friend Francesca, is the only one who made one. uh, And it looked very good. (laughs) Uh, My attempts were very poor. And I don't think our other third friend even ended up making any or they might have had similar poor attempts that I (laughs) can't remember. Mm -hmm. But so it's kind of cool getting back into figuring that out again. And, uh, you know, I I don't know. It's nice to make a 3D object because I'm so used to doing like 2D art all the time that it's cool to have like something 3D that I made. Even if yeah, it, I can see you know, that. I'm it, learning it. <laughs> the idea of something all of a sudden being there in the real world, like you didn't order a stuffed animal, you like made it so that a stuffed animal was here is wild to me. Yeah. So that's been fun for uh, me. What about you, Mikey? What's what's making you happy? I want to know what's the cool thing is going on in your life. I'll, I'll tell you what's ha- what's making me happy is Huel. What? This sounds Huel? like an ad. This is 100% going to sound Huel. like an ad. Okay. Huel. Huel. I think it stands. I could be wrong. It could stand for human fuel. But what I I'm did. I'm even more Roxy, confused. <laughs> what did you do? You ground humans up into fuel? Like Hannibal Lecter, your hero? <laughs> so I was sent a delivery from my hero, Hannibal Lecter. Uh-huh. <laughs> he said, try this fuel. <laughs> I had not fuel. thought about that whatsoever. Um, what I did was I bought a giant package of powder called Huel. Okay. And you mix two scoops of this powder Is, is it like G Huel or something? Like It's like chocolate powder like a protein. It's vegan Okay. It's protein powder or something. Vegan and so I put it in water something. Uh-huh. and then I shake it and it becomes a drink. Okay. And Roxy, I'm here to tell you that's 400 calories right there. Boom. Done with breakfast. I eat it I'm like boom, 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 boom. By eat it, I mean guzzle it down. Uh-huh. Go on with my day. Breakfast is over. I get to start doing fun things again. Wow. Okay. Doing like a breakfast smoothie type thing. Yeah. It's great. Protein it saves me so much shake. time. Nice. I do actually really appreciate that. I'm glad you found a way to like, I don't know, maximize your time better. It's something I need to learn from. Maybe I should start drinking human fuel as well. If you need any humans to ground up, uh, I know a guy. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you can hook me up. All right. 
We'll talk about it off. Roxy. Off, <laughs> off mic. Roxy, we've got to get out of this basement. Okay. Yes. I think it's time. And I have a plan to get out. Let's do it. We're all pumped up talking about what makes us happy. Let's get out of here. What's okay. The there's definitely a monster guarding the exit. Okay. We don't know what kind of monster it is yet. They wait for the, us on the outside. So here's what I'm going to do. You see these nails? Okay. Nails. I got this I handful see them. of nails. I'm going to put six of them in between my fingers like wolverine oh, claws okay and so i've got two fists with like wolverine claws so we're gonna run out we're gonna punch whatever the monster is and then we're gonna escape are you ready yeah give me give me some of those nails real quick okay go. okay here's some nails <laughs> okay <laughs> all right three two one run out of the basement ah! okay Punching the Nosferatu. It's a Nosferatu, <laughs> it's a Nosferatu. Roxy. Okay, yeah, the damage isn't oh, gonna hold oh no, for long. Oh no. Get out of here, Roxy. What? I, I put the nails in the wrong way. Oh my god, Mikey! I how punched- could you fuck this up? Okay, come on, get out of here. He's down. He's dazed. We'll treat your injuries later outside of this place. Come with me. I punched the Nosferatu with the flat end of the nails and stabbed myself in the paw. Oh, you just it, the the sign of blood is gonna excite him. We have to get out of here. <laughs> Roxy, my palm reader is going to be so mad at me. <laughs> okay, that's that's the episode for sure.